So, um, John, it is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Man, when I was at that conference, I was thinking about you. I was thinking about you, guys like you, Norm, guys that just can't help but burst out of your skin talking about the goodness of God, about who he is, and about no matter what your day looks like, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what your emotions are telling you, the reality is that Jesus Christ is on the throne. He is good. He is for you. And we are all a work in prog- progress. It is all a work in progress. And that's what this is really all about. Tomorrow, this morning, I want to talk a little bit about this progress, this, this process that the Lord has us in from where we are now to where he is taking us and a little bit about what that involves to get to that place. Because that process isn't always fun, but it's good. It isn't always exciting. It doesn't always feel so new or wonderful, but it's for our best. It's, for the, it's, for, it's an investment towards what we are reaching for. Before I get into the word this morning, um, and if you want to turn there to get ahead of us, you can move to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 2. But before we jump in, I wanted to give an opportunity uh, for our sister Kristen to come and share a few words. Um, I won't say too much, but uh, this month uh, is is very important, it's very significant in her life. It marks, um, I think, a five-year, six, six-year anniversary to where she had an extremely traumatic uh, near-death experience that the Lord came in and kind of swooped her and literally saved her life. And since that point. She has been a work in process um, that the Lord continues to strengthen her and take her um, to each new day. So Kristen, if you would come. Good morning, family. You know, my, I know you can't see on the outside, but I really am fully shaking with anxiety on the inside. I am fine. I know that you're, you're nervous. Okay. So, um, I've been praying for a couple of weeks on this, just praying for God to give me the words and to, you know, just focus on the glorification of what he has done through my life and what he has brought out of that situation and um, to be renewed and, and to not, you know, because for years it was, it was all about, um, let me just breathe for a second. For years, it was um, very difficult for me and my family. Community that I have now is what has helped walk me through the times when I have needed people and when I have needed to reach out at 11 o'clock at night, at 2 o'clock in the morning, weeping. What I didn't have six years ago was community. I would tell people, I am not religious, I'm spiritual. I slept with my Bible in my bed. I read the word. I prayed. I was a believer. But I didn't have that relationship with God that was in my heart because I didn't know. We don't know what we don't know. So I I started searching. I thought what I needed in my life was a man. I didn't know it was him that I needed. So I sought to fill that void that was in my heart. A few years after being in that relationship, 
I did almost die. The enemy had his grips on me so much that I thought I wasn't worth life. I thought that my life was to be with this person, to be treated poorly, to have my children treated poorly, to be belittled, ridiculed, abused physically and mentally on a daily basis. And the Lord showed me different. Six years ago yesterday, when I experienced an assault, There is no other way to say it that the Lord, literally, God with his angels, literally swooped down and lifted me up when I was not breathing and carried me out of that house into his beautiful, amazing world. I suffered from severe depression for about the next year. All I could do was wake up and go to work. I very rarely took my daughter to school. We very rarely ate a normal meal. One morning, God called me to the water. I mean, because this whole time, I've still been praying and praying. I never gave up. I never gave up. I kept praying. And God woke me up at 5 o'clock in the morning. If anybody knows me, I do not wake up early. And I'm like, okay, all right. I got up, and I went to the water. Second beach, and I was wearing basketball shorts. It was in the middle of September, and it was, was pretty cold in that water. But I just felt like the Lord wanted me in that water, and I just kept praying and praying. And he washed me. He washed those that shame, that guilt that I had from being subjective to that environment and subjecting my children to that environment for so long. The guilt was killing me. Each year, the Lord has brought me in different places. Like Pastor Ed was saying, like, it's a process. It's a process. And over these past six years, each year, something different dramatically in my life has happened to show me how powerful he is. And the songs that we were singing this morning, like, I, like for me, it's not just singing. It's those words, like, miracles happen today like they do in the Bible, we just need to be aware of it and pay attention to when he is working in our lives and when he's working in other people's lives because those miracles are real and they do happen. For so long, my eyes were closed. My mind was closed. I remember the first time I went to a church in Newport and everyone was up by the front and they were hands raised, hallelujah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm out of here. You know, see ya. You know, it's, it's, it's scary. And then, you know, I had to go through what I went through to make me the beautiful woman of God and child of God that I am today. <laughs> Daily surrender. You, for me, I can't just surrender that one day. Yes, God, I am yours and then expect everything to be all peaches and cream. It's a daily surrender. And when I don't surrender daily, I can find myself walking right back. And of course I have over the past six years. I've had many struggles in my life, but the community that I've had has been there for me and loved me where I'm at. There's some people in this room that have been at my house when I've been at my worst <laughs> and they still loved me. Oh, 
All of that leads to transformation. All of that leads to being obedient to God, listening to him, really hearing him. A couple of months ago, something I've been struggling with forever, I was finally able to give to the Lord. And the peace that he has given me, it's like nothing that I could have ever imagined. The peace within my heart. You know, yesterday I was at his providence and there was a a, a seminar, revival. And one of the things that they talked about was your heart and soul and your strengths all aligning with each other and your actions. So my heart's been in that place for six years. My heart's been there. My heart's been with the Lord. But where were my actions going? My actions were over here and my heart was over here. When they line up, we can do amazing things through the Lord. The last thing that I want to share before I share my, my, my writing, because I'm a poet. I love writing. Very good at it. The Lord has blessed me with that. <laughs> um, a small thing. Well, to me, it's a small thing. But like I was in Aldi's one day. And a woman was at the register, and um, she was a cashier, and you could see the pain in her face. Like, she was suffering. I didn't know from what. And I went through, and I was, you know, talked to her for a minute, and then um, she was just crying, weeping. And um, the Lord was like, you need to ask her if you can pray for her. I was like, really? We're at the cash register. <laughs> She's the cashier. I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to you. And I did, and I said, you know, hey, um." Is it okay? Can I pray for you? And she was like, yes. May I put my hand on you? Yes. All right. So I I laid my hand on her and I, I prayed over her and I embraced her. And when I went to let go, she stayed and held on. And there's people at the register coming up like they want to check out. And me and her were just, you know, I just followed what the Lord was telling me to do. And it's not always easy. And sometimes it's silly. I've been called to pray over people at Dunkin' Donuts when it's been full. Seriously? Now? Yep. Okay. You know, it, it happens. And, and I, 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 um, the Lord has given me that strength to be able to not feel silly praying over people in public because it should be more of a normal thing. I, um, for like two weeks, I kept writing and writing and writing. And I kept praying, like, how do you want me to write this story? How does it glorify you and what you've done in my life? And I had pages and pages <laughs> that I finally had some guidance with. And I was able to tear them up. And um, these words came to me when I wasn't trying to write. When I went to bed and I started praying. And then the Lord put something on my heart. And um, I started typing in my phone, texting myself. <laughs> So, dear Father, I praise your holy name today. I give you the glory. I am blessed by your saving grace. As I reflect on our relationship, my heart is filled with gratitude, joy, and love. My Lord, my God, I thought I knew you. I read your word and I prayed to you. I slept with your written word by my side each and every night. But something was missing, a void in my heart. I searched to fill that void and found it in earthly things, not realizing it was you that I needed. I turned my back and I allowed my flesh to rule. 
I turn my back on you and I could no longer hear your beautiful voice. When I'm not in tune with God, I cannot hear him. I believe the enemy's voice was the Lord's. I believe the earthly gifts I was receiving were from God, but alas, they were tricks from the prince of the darkness to keep me far from God's grace and love. The lies I believed about myself, the lies he told me, he made me believe I was not worthy of love, of respect, nor having a voice. Speaking wouldn't do any good because there was no light in my world. The glimmer was too dim for me to see. Darkness surrounded me, encompassed me, and I was drowning, drowning by the change which held me captive. God trying to whisper to me, so faint, so clear, yet I was blind by the deception of the fallen angel. I ignored that whisper of hope and love, that pathway out. I pushed away, falling deeper into sorrow and pain, into the claws of the enemy. Scared, I prayed. I prayed for the one who was hurting me, thinking I was healer, thinking I could save another, save the person the enemy was using to destroy me like he promises to do. In John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The Lord has come that he may give us life and have it to the full. That whole time, God was there chasing me, loving me, waiting patiently for me to hear him. God is a gentleman. He waited on me. And it was in my darkest hour, I finally screamed out silently when my human flesh prepared to turn back to ash as the enemy used another to attack, to take my last breath. Only one name will save. Only one name has the power. Only one name will lift me from the grave. So in desperation for my life, I screamed out silently in my head to the king of kings. And in that final moment after eternal slumber had already begun, only the supernatural holy power of our Lord Almighty, king of kings, my Yahweh, could save this damn soul. My soul is awakened, my lungs filled with life, my breath restored, my warrior, my savior. My mind and body awake, eyes wide open. God lifts me up off my feet and carries me away under his wings. He carries me out of the devil's den, out into his world. I lift his holy name. I am set free. I am no longer held captive. I am a witness to the glory of God, and I had only heard of. I'm a witness to the glory of God I had only heard of. I experienced salvation as I never thought was possible. My heart is filled with adoration for you. My Lord, you roar like a lion. To you I give the glory. To you I surrender, and I will always surrender to you. For the past six years, I've continued seeking to be closer to you, even when I have fallen short. You are the ocean. You are the clouds. You are everything that is. You are the great I am. You gave me eyes to see, ears to hear, a mind open to the wonders of your glory. You sent your angels to guide me, disciples to separate me, and never gave up. Six years ago, you saved me. Six years ago, I found salvation. Six years ago, I felt a love so intense. I never felt a love like this, a love so pure and kind. You love me unconditionally. I will praise your name now and forever. You never once forsake me. The past six years have been an amazing journey. I was baptized and born again and into your family, and you washed my sins away. You surrounded me with believers loving me where I was at, never once given up on me. Your love shines through in everything you are. Your promises are true. I am a new creation. I am clothed in white, and as the snow softly drifts all around me.
this is a testimony of, of what the power of God does when we invite it into our lives. Because he won't come in and rush in and force anything upon us. We have to be open to it and receive it. And what we see and what we've seen, Kristen, in your life is the fact that he took you from, from the depths. He took you from, from death and has had you in this process. And you've come from the one in need, in desperation, to now you are the one where as you're going through your day and he prompts you, go minister to that one. Now go minister to this one. He has turned her from the one being ministered to to the one who is ministering to others. And this is, this is what he does. So to God be the glory for that. And so what I'd like to ask you to do is um, pray for this congregation. Pray for us as we are all in this process. You're well aware of this process because you've been going through it yourself and you've experienced highs and then the lows that come too. So would you take just a, just a minute to um, pray over us for that? Dear Lord Jesus, today, thank you so much. Thank you for giving us this morning. Thank you for giving us this day. Thank you for showing us your glory. Today, I ask you, dear Lord Jesus, my Father, please bless this congregation. Please bless the people in here. Please bless the leaders, the servants. Please bless this island. Please keep your spirit overflowing, showing, showing your strength, showing your mercy, showing your grace. Please open the hearts. Please open the hearts. Please bring your wings down. Please guide us. Please shelter us when we need. Please show healing. Please allow us to open up our hearts to really, really see you. Please give us wisdom. Please open up our eyes to really, really see you. Lord, I praise your holy name today and thank you forever. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, Kristen. Family, this morning we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm actually going to do um, an abbreviated version of this message. I'm going to scale down a little bit. It's gotten a little late. Um, so let's do this. Let's say a word of prayer together in regards to this word. Father, um, this morning I thank you for your presence, and I thank you for what you do in our lives. I thank you for your intentions for us. And Lord, um, as we open your word today, we simply ask that you would make your word very clear to us. Impart unto us, Jesus, the bread of life for today's living. Show us what you want us to understand and maybe go forth from this place, having been nourished by the living word of God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. I'm going to switch this up a little bit. So where am I going to start here? Let's read this together first. Ephesians 2, this is verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. 
And by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And here it is in verse 10. We are his workmanship. We are a work of God, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's a, there's a, um, there's a tainted truth that is very common amongst us and, and, and taught. It's very close to this, talking about how we are created in Christ and we are valuable and we are worthy and we are good. Because we, at the beginning of creation, we were created perfect in the image of God himself. But it didn't take very long for us to mess that up and the value that he had placed in us and the image that he had given us, we, we destroyed. We rebelled against God. That is not the character of God to go against him. We took it upon ourselves and we destroyed that value that he placed within us. And you were dead in your sins. What is common to hear is this. For every person, you are valuable. You are special. You are unique. There's no one like you. You were dead. Without Jesus Christ and faith in him, we're as good as dead. There is such a thing as redeemed value once we have become his workmanship. He created us once perfectly, and we destroyed that. So he has gone out of his way to make a way and recreate us. He has made us new again. So when we come to this place where we surrender to Jesus and we place our faith in him, now we've been remade. Now the value that was stolen that we traded in, we've got it back and above and beyond even more than we had from the beginning. Because now we're not just with God as they were walking with him in the garden, but now God walks with us everywhere that we go. He's remade. Once we've been remade and become a workmanship of Jesus, now you are special, you are unique, you are alive. What once was dead has been, come, has been brought alive. We've been recreated in him. Let's see if I can find. I'm trying to piece together this message because we're not going to sit here <laughs> for 45 minutes. Two, eight, three, ten. Okay. So this is the point I want to spend just a minute that I was just talking about. We were once dead, but in Christ we have now become his workmanship. And because we become his workmanship, that leaves us. We are the ones being worked out by him. There's no longer work for us to do because the work that was needed was done by God. Sliding over to Hebrews chapter 10, it says this. When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, 
but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said the above, you've neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. But then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first sacrifices in order to establish the second his will. In verse 10, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. See, before Jesus, there was a different way of going about it. There was a sacrificial system. Because we destroyed the value that we had, we had to cover that over and make amends for that in some way. And so we had, there, was, there was a system of sacrificing innocent animals in symbolically transferring the sin of man onto the animal, and then that animal now would be sacrificed. It was a symbol of what was to come. But that's not what Jesus wants anymore. And this is the reason that he came. And when he came, and since he's come, He doesn't want sacrifices. He doesn't want our offerings. He doesn't want our work. He just wants us. He says, sacrifices and offerings, I don't desire, but a body you've given me. And goes on to say, I have come to do your will. He's, this is a quote from, from David, the psalmist. I have come to do your will. It's not sacrifices that he wants any longer. It's not your offer, uh, offerings. He wants us to simply do his will. So this is interesting to, to grasp because in doing his will, even there we, we, we just jump to this conclusion of, okay, well, if I do his will, then there, there's, there's work to be done then I have to put effort into that. Then that's, that's where I, I sacrifice what I want for what, for what he wants. But Ephesians 2 tells us that we are his workmanship, that he has made us for good works, that he has prepared in advance. He's done all the work. He's set it in motion. He's hit the play button, and here we go. The Lord has done all the work. There's nothing left for us to do. He's done it all. There's nothing left for us to earn or achieve. Everything that is needed to be accomplished to secure us in the eternal presence of God, it's all been done. There is no more striving. There's no more trying to do anything at this point. It's, it's like running a race, and you cross the finish line, and then you just keep running. And everyone looks around like, what? what's he doing? Whatever you were trying to do, it's done, but you keep going. I th- think of the... I, um, I think of Forrest Gump in the scene where he's running down the football field and he runs to the end, the end zone. Everybody starts cheering. He bolts through the back of the end zone, bolts through the, the tunnel, and keeps running down the road. And everyone just starts looking at each other. What, what's wrong with that guy? See, when we understand Jesus and, and, and we, we're pursuing him and we, we fall to this notion of, I have to please him. I have to work to stay in his favor. Otherwise, I might lose that favor we look like that guy running down the, f- the football field. You run past the, the, the end zone, and you're just running out the field. Everyone looks at it. What, what are you striving for? 
It's done. The play's over. You, you scored. Good job. The game's over. You won. Why are you striving? See, God has done these works. God has prepared the works in advance. You don't even have to create them. You just allow them to play out in your life. There's no more striving. So what does the Lord want then? If he doesn't want effort, if he doesn't want sacrifice, if he doesn't want offering, what what does he want? This idea of doing his will Even this, this is not a work of our own. This is something that he has decided, that he has written from the beginning of time. They've been made for us. These good works have been made for us. And now they just manifest in our lives in every place that we surrender to him. And this this now is where the challenge comes. He doesn't want sacrifice. He doesn't want offerings. He just wants surrender to his will. And as long as we surrender, those good works that he's prepared and written in advance will come and flow through our lives freely. It's just the idea of surrender. No more work, only willing his work into existence. So this is the hard part, the difficult part, in surrendering to his will in every circumstance. When you're sick, what do you pray for? To be well, yeah. What about when God allows sickness into our lives to accomplish a better purpose? His will. I, I think of um, Margaret. I, I always come back and I think of your story. Margaret had some um, serious medical conditions. The Lord healed her miraculously like this. You were able to get up and walk. Today is a... Look at that. Oh, that is so cool. (laughs) For those of you who don't know this woman's testimony, um, I'm not even going to do it justice, but to give it in a snapshot, um, she still had teenagers at the house, I believe. She had serious medical conditions, unable to walk. She was in a wheelchair. Um, People at the church were praying for her. And God told her when she was alone in a house one day, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to make you well because I want people to see how I, how I can work. And he did. And she got up and she kind of worked her way out of the wheelchair and held onto the railing and actually walked down the stairs to get outside. Bumped down the stairs. <laughs> and then slowly got up, right, and leaned on the car and tried to walk a few steps. And you thought that was good. And God said, Keep going. There's more. And then she continued to the mailbox and stopped. And God said, keep going. There's more. And with every step, more strength came to her legs until the point where she walked down Green Green End and continued to walk around town for hours, was it? Wasn't it? For hours. And she was healed like this. It had been six months. And instantly, the strength was restored to her legs. But shortly after this healing, God spoke to you in the quiet place, correct? And said, Margaret, I want you to be well, but I can do so much more through your sickness if you will allow it. There's no more work for us to do, just surrender to his will. 
It's not sacrifices. It's no offerings. It's just surrender. So when we're sick, what do we want to pray? What's your will? Accomplish your purpose. When we're in need, what do we ask for? God's provision. Father, you know what I need. Give provision. This scripture um, that, that Jesus tells us, remember, if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does our perfect father know how to give us good gifts? He knows our needs. He knows our greatest need. So what about the times where our greatest need is only met by taking away what we think is our need? The only work left to do is surrender. He knows what we need, and we will have it. He's a good, loving father. When we're offended by somebody, what do we pray? What do we pray? <laughs> if we're feeling righteous and, and calm, we pray that God will bless them. We pray that God would speak to their heart, show them the truth. But that's still looking outward. Remember what Jesus said, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you don't, no, you don't notice the log that's in your own eye. Offenses are opportunities to move closer to Christ. So we don't pray against these things, but as they come, our only work is to, to surrender and say, what are you teaching me? I love uh, a quote that we heard yesterday, guys. Um, there's a minister speaking at a conference we went to, and he said, every offense is custom designed by God for you to draw something out of you that he wants you to leave at the altar. And so with each one, these pieces of us are being taken out and being left at the altar until there's nothing left to offend because all that we are is Jesus. There's nothing to offend. All Our whole identity, security is in him. In all these things, his will is done. And this is our only work, to allow his will to happen. His will is to conform us to the likeness of Christ. And just because we perceive certain things to be uncomfortable, unpleasurable, doesn't mean that it's not for our own good. Doesn't mean that it's not God's will. He wants the best for us, but to get to the best, he's got to remove them some things. He's got to take us through some stuff. We have to be willing to let him do it. It's this place of surrender. See, Christ's likeness grows in us oftentimes through difficulties, through suffering, through hardship. So when it comes, the goal is not to fight against it, not bear yourself up, get some buddies around, hey, pray with me, and we are going to pray and push through this thing. It's not to pray and fast and intercede to convince God to deliver you and to take it away. You're a son and daughter of God. Nothing can happen to you without his permission. So what's he trying to do through that circumstance? 
Don't pray against his will. Our only, the only work we have to do, the only thing he asks for us is to surrender to his will. Let's not pray against it. Let's not work against it. He's done all the hard work. He's been the ultimate sacrifice. He's given his entire life. All he asks is for surrender. And it's for even our own good. But just because it's not comfortable, just because it's not easy, oftentimes we want to trade that in. We want to step aside. We want to pray our prayers. Jesus said, anything that you pray in my name, you will have it. The prayer will be answered. Praying in my name means praying in his will. It doesn't mean we just think about what we desire and then we pray and tag a little in Jesus' name. Okay, cha-ching. <laughs> That's not how it works. In his name means according to his will and under his covering. If we're going to pray in his name, we're going to first pray, Father, what is your will? We don't rush into prayer and just verbal explosion of just what we want. But when we come to him, like it says in the word, don't use many words. Come to him and say, what, what is your will, Father? And as he speaks to your spirit, you echo that prayer back to him. This is the only work left for us to do. Surrender. Just go with it. Let him guide your life and keep, maintain the attitude of Christ through it. Allow the hardships, allow the sufferings to shape you and form you into that likeness of Christ. Because this is his perfect will. I think about, um, I think about the story of Joseph. Man, we know that his, his brothers turned on him, sold him into slavery. And then years down the road, when God had completely changed his, the trajectory of his life and raised him up to the, highest, the second highest in power in all of Egypt, he brings his brothers back in front of him. And then he confronts his brothers. And he tells them, what you meant for evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive. Things that come into our lives, even with wrong intent from other people, that doesn't trump the power of God. God is sovereign. Nothing can happen to you without getting clearance from God. Don't fight. Don't strive. Just seek God and say, what are you, what are you trying to do in me? And surrender to that will. This is the process. This is where he's taken us. Sometimes we feel like we, be, we understand a little bit of what, about what he's trying to do and then we try to help him along in the process <laughs> as if our work and effort can do it faster and better and say, okay, well, I'm gonna, I see what you're doing here. I'm just going to suck it up. And then, and then we try to put our own effort and our own work with right intentions maybe but we say, let's just get this over with. And so we, we want to join him in that work of what he's doing in here. But only the spirit of God can do the work in here. We just allow it. All we can do is give permission. And when we give him the permission, the work's going to be done. We can't join him in that work and, and, and try to put effort into that thing because it's only going to twist it and make it, make it even more difficult. I think about years ago when, when I was trying to, uh, I was fixing a door on our house and Elijah was like two years old. 
So he had his little plastic screwdriver, little battery-powered screwdriver. You just push the button and it turns like really, really slowly. And so he sees me working on the hinges or the door handle or something, and we're hanging out. So he's helping me. He's taking his plastic toy and banging it on the door or whatever. He wants to help dad, so he's watching. He wants to join in, which was fun. We had a great time, buddy. You probably don't remember it. But when, when, when you try, when, this is like, it takes 10 times longer, and there might be some damage done in the process because you're banging on the door with something that's not meant to be used there. And I feel like this is, this is a picture of us. When we try to help God along in what he's doing, we're only, making, we're only dragging out the process. We're only making a bigger mess. Just surrender. Don't fight it. Accept the will of God. And this is where, when in times we're not even seeing it, we don't always feel it, but we'll wake up one day and say, that thing I was struggling with is gone. I feel different. I feel lighter. We start to see these breakthroughs because of what the Spirit of God has done on the inside. And the only thing it takes of us is the release of our control. Surrendering to his will. That's all that's left for us to do. Here's the Apostle Paul, and this is the final um, verse we're going to end with here today. He said, A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. He's fighting it. But God said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul's desire was that this ailment, whatever this thorn in the flesh was, be removed so he can go on with the work without this distraction, without whatever this painful experience was. But Paul's desire wasn't granted. God's will was granted. And with that, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My purpose is being accomplished. You're in process, Paul, and this is where I want you. This thorn was designed for you. I made that thorn for you because I care more about your heart and what's happening on the inside. Will you accept it? Because he says his grace is sufficient. Can he accept it? For us, he's made us a new creation. He's done the work. He's done the sacrifice. It's all been completed. He's even written the good works in advance that he wants us to do. He's even written those out. We just surrender and allow it to be done. It's a process. It's not easy, but he does all the work. We just surrender. For Paul, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My question for us this morning is God's grace sufficient for you? Or are you not content? Release our control. Acknowledge our will and then lay it down in exchange for his. And in this way, God will be glorified. And in this way, you move fluidly and quickly through that process as he does this internal work. Live in a place of surrender, knowing that God's grace is sufficient and he will complete every good work that he's begun. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for parting 
with Jesus, that he might die on the cross for us and be that ultimate sacrifice. Thank you so much for taking, off, taking it off our plate, the burden of having to make amends for our sin as if it were even possible if we, if we tried. You've done all the work. You've done all the heavy lifting. And now you say, just trust me. Thank you, Father, that you, have, you guard our lives. You've made us sons and daughters of the living God, and you will not allow your children to be subjected to anything that will harm us. It's our eternal security. It's our, it's, it's, it's our eternal destination that you have in mind. And we recognize that sometimes to get to that place, we're going to go through challenging times. But Lord, give us the strength to know that your grace is sufficient and to surrender to your will and trust you through it. We do trust you through it. We thank you for your good intentions for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.